What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What is up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I gotta say, I am excited. The time is here. I am going to explain how I come up with my projections, my statistical projections, which is how I build my personal fantasy rankings, and my draft sheets, my free draft sheets. I'm sure a bunch of you guys listening that have been listening for over a year have used them. So I want to go through and explain my process because from this point forward, after this podcast, I am going to be pumping out my projections and thought process on every single NFL team. So I'm going to go through and show you how I get to that point right now. And also, if you want to take notes or take something out of this to do your own projections, I completely encourage you to do so. So when you're looking at teams, there's a lot of factors And a lot of things that change every single season, and that's why no team ever has the same season statistically. You know, sometimes they'll change how much they pass. Sometimes they'll change how much they run, what type of plays they use in the run game or the pass game, where they distribute their targets, a whole bunch of things like that. What they like to do in the red zone compared to previous years, which determines touchdowns, which is huge for fantasy. So there's so many things that you can look at. And honestly, if you wanted to be a crazy a crazy person, which I'm not trying to do that. If you, if you wanted to be crazy, you could put in 10 to 20 hours worth of research just projecting one team. Now, most people that have fantasy podcasts, most people that do rankings, all this stuff, they're kind of just building it based off the order they would draft of players. But you're not going to find that many people, and I'm not trying to flex, but you're not going to find that many people That will do statistical specific projections the way that I do. And by the time I'm done, I'm going to have over 200 or just about 250 players projected with how many targets are they going to get, receptions, how many yards per reception, how many touchdowns, all of these things I'm going to have projected out. And I'm going to have it all in these draft sheets for you guys to check out. But with that said, I don't want to go on too long. Let's get into the content. How do I personally project teams? First off, you have to look at the offseason. What changed? You have to recognize the lost personnel and the added personnel. Who's new and who's gone? How does that change everything? Did they make improvements to their offensive line in free agency or in the draft? If they did, were these guys run graders, guys that are going to help the run game succeed? Or are these pass blockers and they're going to help the quarterback have more time to sit in the pocket and deliver to wide receivers? And if that's the case, then the quarterback's efficiency is probably going to go up. Wide receivers probably going to have better targets coming their way. Their catch rate might go up because they're getting more accurate targets. Their yards per reception may increase because they're able to get further down the field before the quarterback is having to throw the ball. If you have good pass protectors, you can also run deeper routes, and that can also lead to increased yards per reception. So this is just a tiny glimpse, right? This is kind of the train that starts once one little thing, or it's kind of like the butterfly effect, I could say, you know, 
add an offensive lineman here and all of these new opportunities exist. Now, the same is true on the opposite side of the coin. If you lose offensive linemen, did you lose good run blockers or did you lose good pass blockers? And is this going to hurt the quarterback? Is the quarterback going to have to force the ball more often? Is the running back going to have people in his face quicker because you lost two great guards that were run blocking for him for a long time? So these are things you need to look at. Offensive line is a huge one. Then, obviously, coaches, coaching staff. Did they just bring in somebody that comes from a system where they usually pass the ball 60% of the time and the coach that they just had last for this team that got fired ran the ball 60% of the time? There's few few coaches who do that, but actually only like one or two. But you get the, the gist. Everything matters. Every single thing matters. So that's the first thing you have to do is you have to recognize the changes. Offensive line, defense, coaching, personnel, Are there new receivers in town? Did they bring in a big free agent tight end? How will that change the offense? That's a huge thing that I look at first off. And I said defense. You're probably wondering, why does the defense matter? We're talking about fantasy. The defense matters because the better your defense gets, the more helpful that is for rushing quarterbacks, running backs, and the worse your defense is, the better that is for quarterbacks who just pass a whole bunch, and for wide receivers and tight ends. Because if your defense is bad, you're going to be behind in games. If you're behind in games, you're going to have to catch up to try and win on the scoreboard because the other team is scoring a whole bunch on your trash defense. What does that mean? A whole bunch of garbage time yards, a whole bunch of garbage time receptions, and touchdowns. So that's great for offensive personnel on the receiving side. Running backs are super hurt by bad defenses because their offense is going to be game scripting them out very soon. You know, if you're down by two touchdowns in the third quarter, you're not going to be able to run the ball that much anymore. You're going to have to flip to a pass-heavy approach, which hurts those running backs. So you kind of get where I'm going with this. Now, after you go with who was lost, who's gone, and who's been added, the next thing that I do is I establish the trends of the quarterback because everything stems off the quarterback. I can't go in and project... Let's pick a team. I'll just pick the Bucks since I'm obviously the most familiar with this team. I can't just say, all right, I'm going to project Chris Godwin and say, oh, Chris Godwin's probably going to get this many targets because, you know, he got this many targets last year. So I'm going to give Chris Godwin, you know, 130 targets, and this is going to be his receptions and yada, 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 if I have not projected Tom Brady because it has to make sense. It has to gel. And there have been times I've seen – Some people, like I said, not many people do this, but some people who do the projections, but if you actually math check their projections, they don't make any sense. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you add the projections they have for the receivers and it equals more passing yards than they have projected for the quarterback. So to avoid this problem, you have to do the quarterback first. So I look at Tom Brady, for example, and and this is kind of what I did last year. I was looking at, okay, how much do the Bucks pass the ball? Obviously, they passed a whole bunch with Jameis Winston. A lot of that was influenced by the fact that Jameis Winston turned the ball over a lot and put us in deficits. Tom Brady is not going to do that. So I automatically looked at Tom Brady and said he's not going to have to pass as much as Jameis Winston most likely because he's not going to put us in holes and we're going to be winning games a lot more. We're going to be able to run the ball more. Our defense is going to have more energy and they're going to be more effective. And Todd Bowles is also in year two with the defense so that will help so there's just all these things that pointed me to say 
Let me not just say Godwin and Evans are going to combine for 280 targets like they do with Jameis Winston because I had to establish the trend for Tom Brady and I had to realize that, hey, that's not going to be the case here. So you got to do the quarterback first if you're going to do projections. So I project first off attempts. And this is based off everything from step one, right? Step one was recognize all the new people, all the people that have been lost. If you lost a whole bunch of defenders on a team, that team is probably going to end up having to pass the ball more on offense that year. So when you go to step two for starting to project the quarterback, keep those things in mind, right? So let's say the Bucks didn't sign Shaq Barrett and JPP retired and Indomitian Sue retired. Uh-oh, now the, the Bucks defense is not nearly as good. Tom Brady's probably going to have to throw the ball a tiny bit more than he did last year. That's a, just an example. So you do the quarterback's attempts. Then you figure out their completion rate. For me, that's the second part of the quarterback I like to look at. Because after you have the attempts, to get the completions, how many passes he's going to complete, you have to know the percentage, right? And it's easier to look at percentages when you're talking about what gets better and what gets worse than just doing total numbers like a completion count. So my thought process for Tom Brady, for example, this year would be First, let me look at, and I haven't projected the Bucks, and that's not what we're doing here. I'm just using them as an example. I would say, okay, let me see how Tom Brady was for the first half of the season when he was just getting everything figured out, getting the offense figured out. He said himself, halfway through the season, he still was struggling to get down the whole playbook and was making mistakes in play calling. So, and you could see that. You could see the result of that in the Bucks season. As they started kind of slow, kind of choppy, the offense wasn't super smooth, and then it became perfect down the line when it mattered most in the playoffs, as Tom Brady became more and more comfortable and had everything down. So I want to see how was he beforehand? What was his accuracy like? What was his completion percentage? How were the receivers playing with him in the beginning? And then once he got comfortable, how much better did it get? Because that is what's going to continue on into this next season. I can't just look at last season as a whole. I have to look at the end because Tom Brady was a new player getting adjusted to the system. So that's just another example of how I would do things. So you look at the completion percentage, right? Let's say he had a, I don't know if this is anywhere accurate, it's just an example. Let's say he had 63% completion percentage the first half of the season and it went up to 67. Well, we have Godwin back, Mike Evans is back, Antonio Brown is back, the entire offensive line is back, everybody is back, there's no changes in coaching. So it would be pretty safe to say he's probably going to be around that 67% rate. So I would project somewhere near there. Now, there's other factors. I'm not trying to get crazy, crazy specific with you guys because <laughs> then this podcast would be super long because it takes me about two and a half, three hours to project every single NFL team. And we're talking about like six players, right? Six fantasy relevant players on every team. And it takes me that long. So it's a process for me, but I try to do it so I can be accurate and I have a firm ground to stand on when I'm giving you guys my takes. I'm not just saying this is how I feel. I'm saying this is what my research supports. And a lot of times my mind will be completely changed. I'll be thinking one thing, I'll do the research and find out, oh my goodness, I've been wrong this whole time. So it's also a good way to check yourself because it's very easy to get you know into that take lock where you just say, oh, this is the case, and you pound it over and over and over, and you never move off that stance. That's not going to happen when you're forcing yourself to put your thoughts on paper and hold yourself accountable, and other people can hold you accountable because it's published, it's on Twitter, it's on my website, it's everywhere. So 
I'm making sure I'm doing what I think is going to happen, not what I want to happen. So I think that's another benefit of doing this. But anyways, that's the quarterback, right? You do the quarterback, you do the completion percentage, then you do the touchdown rate. You know, guys that have like a lot of play action and a, a super successful run game, like a Russell Wilson or a Lamar Jackson usually have higher touchdown rates. They also don't have to throw the ball nearly as much, though, so that's also part of the reason they can be highly efficient in that area. So you look at touchdown rates, multiply that by your pass attempts that you determined earlier, and that's how you get, voila, look at that. You're passing touchdowns for the quarterback in their projections on the season. You're not just picking a number out of a hat. You're not just saying, oh, they threw 25 last year. I think they have better weapons, so it's going to be 30 this year. No, first you're figuring out how many times is this guy going to pass, And then is his touchdown rate going to be better or worse this year based off all these certain factors, offensive line, time in the pocket, weapons, offensive system, yada, 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 yada. And then you put those two together and that gives you your touchdowns. Boom. It's a process. It's perfect. And I'm plugging it into my Google Sheets, which I made to be like an equation, right? So I'm not actually, I have no idea what the number is going to be. I just plug in my percentages and then it gives me the total numbers. And that's how I get my projections. So it's really cool. But anyways, you do the quarterback. Then after you do that, you go to the wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. What do I like to do first? I like to do the running backs. Why? Because once I get the running backs out the way and I've got the rushing game out the way, then I can look at wide receivers and tight ends kind of in the same bucket. So I like to do running backs first. Also, they have way less targets going their way. So you get those little targets out the way first. So I do running backs. Also, when going in to making my projections, I also like to look at what is the percentage of the time that this team runs and what's the percentage of the time that this team passes. Now, this is dependent also on things like did their defense get worse or better? Did the offensive line guys they add, are they better run blockers or pass protectors, whatnot. All of these things, everything flows together. This is one big equation. All of it is one big equation. It's not just like step-by-step that's individual and doesn't affect the other things. Everything affects each other. That's why football is impossible for people to accurately project to a superb level because there are so many different factors but when you do things like this and i've noticed i've gotten a little bit better every single year which is the goal right all we want to do is improve no matter what you're talking about in life whether it's sports the gym mental capacity just knowledge school whatever the case may be you just want to get a little bit better every day right so that's what i try to do here and you know you learn from your mistakes obviously there are players and teams that i projected horribly last year and there are teams and players that I projected insanely good last year and the year before the same thing so I'm just trying to get better but kind of went off on a tangent there I like to look at for example the Ravens they're going to be I actually finished them but I'm not going to talk about them on this podcast the next podcast that comes out after this is going to be the Ravens projections it's the only team I've done so far and I did the Ravens because I debate the players on the Baltimore Ravens with people on Twitter it seems like more than anyone any other team So I wanted to make sure, if I'm going to be talking about them a lot, let me make sure I have stable ground to stand on. So that's why I projected them first. I think probably the next team I'll probably do is the Bengals. We'll see. But for example, the Ravens, they passed the ball 43% of the time. The league average last year was about, not the year that just finished, the year previous was about 57% of the time teams passed the ball. The Ravens passed the ball 43% of the time, but 
guess what? They added a bunch of receivers, and it and it stands to show in that way that they added Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace and brought in Sammy Watkins that they're probably going to pass the ball more than 43% of the time this year. So that's going to change the equation of how many carries is going to be there to go around to the running backs. It's going to be a little bit less because all of a sudden they're passing a little bit more. Now Lamar has more opportunities to pass around to the receivers. But I like to look at that as well. Then get into the running backs after you do the quarterbacks. Establish their stats. How many carries are they going to get? What's going to be their average? If the offensive line has gotten a lot better, then their average is probably going to be a little bit better. They're going to be more efficient. If somebody moved teams, right? For example, Kenyon Drake from the Dolphins to the Cardinals. Year one when he was still healthy, there was no weird stuff going on. And he was paired with Kyler, who's a rushing quarterback. When you have a rushing quarterback that usually helps efficiency, pretty much always helps the efficiency of the running back behind them. Because it's one more mental process a linebacker has to make and decide what what way am I going because when that quarterback is starting to hand the ball off they have to wait an extra half second to figure out am I going to get fooled and is it going to be the quarterback who's going to run this ball or is it going to be the running back and that extra half second of thinking gives a huge advantage to the running backs so that's why they're usually way more efficient and you can see it with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and all these guys with running quarterbacks Miles Sanders was pretty efficient with Jalen Hurts last year, so you get the gist. Then after running backs, you go to wide receivers, tight ends, and it's basically the same process for both, okay? When you're looking at wide receivers and tight ends, you want to go by target share. That is the first thing that you will project. So if Tom Brady threw the ball to Mike Evans 24% of the time last year, right? That I'm pretty sure that that's not true, but if he did throw 24% of his passes to Mike Evans and let's say Chris Godwin walked and Antonio Brown didn't sign all of a sudden you might be bumping up Mike Evans target share to 28% of the targets and this is why it's important to do the quarterbacks first because all you have to do is say all right the quarterback we already projected and he's going to throw the ball 580 times this year well if Mike Evans target share is at 28% just multiply the 580 by 0.28 and boom, you have your target count for Mike Evans. It's that simple. And then, obviously, there's factors that influence this, like we were talking about before. But I'm just talking about in terms of coming up with the actual number itself and the math of it. It's super simple. And then, after you get the targets, now you have that number to work your next number. Your next number is going to be catch rate. Is Mike Evans going to be double covered all of a sudden because all these guys are gone? His catch rate's probably going to go down. So, if you knock his catch rate down... Then you multiply the catch rate by his targets, and boom, there's your receptions. And now you say, okay, is he going to be going deeper down the field? Or is he going to be closer to the line of scrimmage? Is Tom Brady going to be you know, running out of time because we lost offensive linemen? Not the case again, an example. So basically, that's, that's how you do it, right? And then, okay, if his yards per reception goes down or up, multiply that by the total catches that you got from the catch rate. It's very simple. It's just boom, 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 one after another makes one big beautiful equation in the google sheets i love it that's how i do my projections now there are a lot of other things that i consider when i do projections and really my draft sheets i like to call them cheat sheets or or ultimate draft sheets because not only do i have my rankings right and you guys can go look at them now you can go in my twitter 
I have my link tree link in the Twitter bio and you will see free draft sheets as the first option. You can click that and it'll bring you to my draft sheets for this year and all my projections it will have for example, I told you I did the Ravens already. So if you click on that free draft sheets, whether it's through the website or through the link tree in Twitter or link tree on Instagram, or you for some reason can't find it or get access to it, ask me, I'll send it to you. You can you know DM me or whatever the case may be. I did the Ravens already. So if you click on it, you will see quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. They're all different tabs. You look at the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson will be there. Not only will you see my projections for him for this year, but you'll see his stats from last year, his attempts, completion percentage, completions, yards per completion, yards, touchdown rate, touchdowns, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, total points, and his points per game from last year. All of that is there for you. And then I have my projections. I have my rank. My ranks are color-coded for tiers. Obviously, only one person projected in that quarterback position so far so that's irrelevant but as I develop more and more people I'm going to start they're going to be forming an order forming tiers they're color-coded for you they're ordered and I have the total points that I have him projected for his points per game and then I have all of these other additional things which is what I think really makes my draft sheets super unique and also that they're free because most people don't give out stuff like this for free because when it's all said and done I've put over Let's see, 32 times 3 hours, almost 100 hours, that's 96. Almost 100 hours of time into these draft sheets. And when we talk about like all the comeback edits that I make, because I don't just project a team one time. You know, as I learn new information from training camps and stuff like this, if, for example, Rodgers gets traded and I have to redo the Packers and redo the team he got traded to and all that stuff, it gets well above over 100 hours. But Aside from all the stat stuff, I have a risk column where I put low, medium, or high. What is the risk level of this player? What's the chance that they become a bust? Then I have potential. What's the potential of this player? I could tell you right now, Lamar Jackson, his potential is an A-plus because he runs the ball for 1,000 yards every single full season that he plays. And then he also has the chance and opportunity to be highly efficient in the pass game. And that gives him a high floor, his rushing, so his risk is low, and a huge potential. So when I'm drafting, do I just strictly draft straight off my projections? If I have Lamar Lamar Jackson, for example, projected to score one point per week less than Patrick Mahomes, does that necessarily mean I'm taking Mahomes over Lamar? No, because if I look at risk, and I, I deem that the risk level is low for both, but Lamar Jackson has a higher ceiling, Maybe I'll lean Lamar Jackson. If somebody has a, a injury history, that also plays into risk. Maybe I'll lean away from them. So it's not like you just draft based off the numbers. You also have the risk rating to help you make your decision. You have the potential to help you make your decision. And then my baby, VORP, value over replacement player. This is what you use when you're trying to make cross-positional draft decisions. When you're on the board in the fifth round, and you've got two running backs and two wide receivers, and you or you know what? Change it, change it. You're on the board in the fifth round, and you have a quarterback. For some reason, you took a quarterback high, which I always advise against. A tight end. Taking a tight end high is always a good idea, as long as they're a good one. Running back and wide receiver. So you've got one at every position. You're in the fifth round. You've got to decide right now whether you want wide receiver A 
or running back A. And they're both really good, and you like them both, and you need a tiebreaker. You have no idea which one to take. It's driving you crazy. This is when you look at VORP. What is VORP, Brandon? Well, thank you for asking. It's value over replacement player. What does that mean? In layman's terms, I could you know, be super complicated and make it hard to understand, but in layman's terms, it's basically, what's the advantage this player gives me versus another player? So what is the advantage of having Terry McLaurin as my wide receiver two versus having Antonio Gibson as my running back two? So VORP is a number and it's a plus or a minus. So, and not just a plus or minus, obviously it has a number as well. So Terry McLaurin, let's say he ranks as, ends up as my wide receiver eight and based off how many points per game I have him projected for versus your average opponent's wide receiver two, right? So if you're playing matchups and you're looking at your lineup versus the person you're playing against, if you look at their lineup, your wide receiver two versus their wide receiver two, how much does Terry McLaurin benefit you in that wide receiver two spot? Let's say he, based off my projections, because that's what the VORP is based off of, my total points projected for every player, he's going to give you, on average, two points more per week than your opponent's wide receiver two is. And if you took Terry McLaurin as your wide receiver three, I'll also have that information there as well. Maybe he'll give you a five-point advantage versus somebody else's wide receiver three if you have two receivers better than Terry. So that'll help you choose, do I want Terry, who's going to give me Going back to wide receiver two, if he's your second one, he's going to give me two points per week versus if I draft Antonio Gibson and he's going to be my running back two, he's going to give me four points more per week than the average opponent's running back two. All right, so which one are you choosing? Obviously, Antonio Gibson, because he's giving you a higher advantage every single week. And how do I come up with this? Basically, super simple. Quarterback one, we're talking 12-team leagues. That's the standard. So a quarterback one is a quarterback inside the top 12. A quarterback two is a quarterback from 13 to 24. So what I do is Patrick Mahomes is obviously going to be in the top 12, right? As long as he stays healthy. So I have my projection for Patrick Mahomes. Let's say 25 points per game is what I have him projected for. That's super high and probably not going to be the case, but to make math easy. Let's say I have him projected for 25 points per game. I look at the top 12 quarterbacks that I have projected. I take the average. The average is 20. So if the average top 12 quarterback is going to score 20 points per game and you draft Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback one, he's going to give you a five points per game advantage over the average opponent's quarterback. Super simple, right? Same thing with tight end. And tight end, by the way, is the key position for VORP because tight end, Travis Kelsey compared to the field, (laughs) is ridiculous in terms of his value over replacement. It's way more than any other, any other position other than McCaffrey's year when he had like 30 points per game. He was right there with Kelsey. But now you now you understand VORP. And then lastly, I have consistency percentages. So what are my consistency percentages? It's to determine when you're building a team, if you need somebody who's going to just be a safe 15 points every week, or if you want somebody that has the potential to give you like a 25-point week, but also is kind of volatile and might give you some 10-pointers, that is going to be um, something you can tell from the consistency chart in this free draft sheets that I make for you guys, and for myself, obviously, of course I use them. So for example, if Lamar Jackson scores over 20 points every single game, his consistency percentage in a 20-plus column is 100 
because I have three columns for quarterbacks. I have 15 plus, 20 plus, and 25 plus. So if he scores 25 points, half the time his 25 point consistency rating is 50%. So it's super simple. You can see what percentage of the time does this player score this many points or more. And it helps you figure out who the consistent guys are. And surprisingly, Tyreek Hill in 2019 was the most consistent wide receiver. I bet you you would not have known that if you did not hear it from me because everyone always talked about Tyreek Hill being boom or bust, but he actually, for wide receivers and running backs, my equation is different. Obviously, quarterbacks score more than them, so I have to change the numbers. For consistency ratings for running backs, wide receivers, I use 10 as the bottom number, 15 as the middle number, and 20 as the max number, 20 plus as the max number. So Tyreek Hill, in every single game he played healthy, I think in 2019, he had 10 points or more. So he was actually not boom or bust like everyone thought. He was actually the most consistent. And then lastly, I have snap percentage. So not for the quarterbacks, because obviously they play 100% of the offensive snaps, not including fourth downs, which doesn't matter for fantasy purposes, because they're always punts or field goals. And well, usually, you know what I'm saying. And so for running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, I have the snap percentage. So if you want to you know, you need a fifth tiebreaker after VORP and consistency and risk and potential. If you need a fifth one, then I got snap percentages there for you. You could take the person who's on the field more often if that makes you feel happy. So I put that in there too. And then I have special notes, which is just something that, you know, if I have like a hot take in there or something, something that looks very different, you'll understand why if you look at the special notes. For example, I did the Ravens already and Lamar Jackson's projection is pretty nice. And in this special notes, I just put they added weapons at wide receiver, and that really boosts his ceiling. Because obviously he's been good everywhere else. Passing game has been good at times, also really bad at others. But all the weapons at wide receiver and new wide receiver coaches and stuff. I'm not going to spoil the Ravens projections podcast, but it should be looking pretty good. So that's how we do it. That's how you build projections. That's how you build rankings. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Remember... If you have not already, or even even if you have, if you really enjoy the content that I, that I put out, leave a rating, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Spotify doesn't seem to have a place for reviews. I don't think Spotify does. So if you listen on Spotify, but you have a way to give me a review on Apple, I would really appreciate that. It helps me rise in terms of visibility for other people to find the podcast. And, you know, it's also nice to come across a, a plus review anytime and even if you think there's something i could work on let me know in a review i don't mind everybody has things that they can work on i'm sure i'm not the best podcaster you know everyone can improve so i'm good with anything positive feedback or constructive criticism whatever the case may be please leave me a review and check out the draft sheets it's going to be super light right now i'm not going to have many people done when you're checking it but recheck it every week if you want or just stay active with me on Twitter and you'll see when I'm doing more teams and when I add people into it. And you'll start to see my rankings form up. And once it gets to draft season, like redraft season, because Dynasty, this these draft sheets are not super helpful for Dynasty because Dynasty is over the long course of time. Obviously, I can't make projections for somebody seasons out from now. I can only do the season ahead. So this is more redraft stuff. So when it gets to redraft season, you know, July, August, Hopefully not September, but some people do like the first couple days of September. Check out these draft sheets again. Use them. It'll help you. And 
it also make you look like a badass because you're going to have this color-coded, super stat-flooded paper in front of your friends, and they're going to be like, wow, this guy is going to win the league this year. And you will. You will. 100% guarantee. You use the draft sheets. I can guarantee. <laughs> I can guarantee you're going to win. It's it's foolproof. It's foolproof. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Peace. Thank you.